It's The Difference. I'm Dan O'Donnell. Welcome to it. Alongside the president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management, Dave Spano. Now, Dave, each week we talk about issues that matter to you financially. And this week, I think we're going to look back weeks from now, months from now, as I think the week that panic sort of started to set in. We're recording this on Monday, May 9th, and we have got another drop on the Dow, big drop on the NASDAQ. The markets are down again. And for the first time, I think, you know, on my radio show, I sort of take the pulse of, you know, southeast Wisconsin, Wisconsin more generally. And for the first time, I'm kind of sensing a little bit of panic about what we're seeing moving forward. Are you sort of seeing the same thing? Well, we haven't seen capitulation, which is something that the market does like to see to kind of mark a bottom. And we haven't seen that yet. And I don't want to be too geeky here on, on our podcast, but you know, there's things that you can look at, for example, in the S&P 500, and there's support levels and so on. Well, we were hoping that the S&P would support at about 4150 somewhere in there. Well, it, it blew through right right through there. So uh, today, Monday, we're, we're trading lower than that. And so next stop is somewhere around 3,700, 3,800, probably another 5 or 6% down. When people start to see that, then maybe we'll get a capitulation. And that is when people say, that's it. I've had enough. I'm selling all of my stuff and I'm going to go bury it in the backyard. And <laughs> and so we haven't quite seen that yet, uh, but it sure, it sure feels like people are getting really nervous right now. But, you know, can I try to be a, a voice of reason here? Please. 80, 85% as of today, 85% of companies have reported, as you know, every quarter, the publicly traded companies have to give their report cards. How much did they sell? What were their widget sales? How much did they make? Well, profits were up 10% year over year. That's a good thing. But what is happening is afterwards, the the analyst community gets to ask the CEO and CFO a bunch of questions. And the theme from all of these companies has been consistent. Higher costs, meaning higher labor costs, higher interest rate costs, a slowing economy because the Federal Reserve is trying to slow the economy and rising inflation means that their profitability is going to be hit going forward. So the stock market hears that and now they're repricing. That, that, that's what's happening. Right you know, now. We, we talk a lot, Dave, about the consumer price index because we are, of course, a consumer-based economy. Right. So, you know, this is this is right. This is the price that impacts people most directly, what they're paying for groceries, what they're paying for gas, all of that. So we we log inflation and we in the media talk about inflation in terms of the year over year inflation hype. Well, we're talking about the consumer price index. The producer price index is actually up by a greater percent. Consumer price index is at 8.5%. Producer price index year over year is up 11.8%, the highest on record. I think not a lot has, or at least not enough in my world, in the media world, has been made of the the, the cost that it's costing producers to get those goods into people's homes. Yeah, and a big part of that is is energy, right? So no matter what is you know you're producing, you got input costs. You have plastics, whatever it's going to be, but then you have to distribute those products. And no matter what it is, they're they're, they're being transported. If it's by air, you've got you've got fuel costs. If it's by truck, you have fuel costs. If it's by rail, you've got to push those things around. So input costs, especially fuel, 
is a big part of that. And as we know, today is May 9th, which is Victory Day for the Russians when when they became uh, freed you know, from Nazi Germany. And will this continue to happen in Ukraine and Russia? What would the Europeans do about it? Will they stop using Russian oil? So there's going to be continued pressure on on energy. And, of course, then that's going to continue to fuel inflation. And I had somebody ask me, Dan, about, well, the you know President Biden is going to speak this week. And isn't that going to change things? No. No, that's not going to change much. Well, you know, so it has to work its way out, Dan. It's got to get through the system. There's been so much free money. The money supply has been increased by 25% over its run rate. That's got to make it through the system, and that is where prices are going to continue to have pressure until this happens, volatility and pricing pressure at least until the election in November. And you know what else we're seeing now? Uh, this story has started to make its way into mainstream news sources. I saw it a bunch on on Fox News over the past couple of days. We're starting to see shortages again. And yep. there are some things where the shortages of last summer never really uh, abated. Mm-hmm. Microchips, for example, I am looking for, I have been trying to buy a Sony camera to do live streaming of my radio show for a week. It, it is impossible. I bought a camera from a store in New York. I have no idea whether or not they actually have it in stock or I'm going to be waiting two months for this camera to actually ship out. But now we're seeing something that impacts people real directly. Young mothers, we're a day after Mother's Day right now. Formula. There are widespread baby formula shortages. Now, what that suggests to me, Dave, is, of course, one of the big reasons you get uh, formula shortages, not necessarily shortages, but the reason that you have to uh, ask a manager to unlock the secured location where the uh, formula is kept is formula is a very expensive item. It's a necessary item for young mothers. It's one that's stolen very often. But- What I see when I see a baby formula shortage is panic. What I see is the same sort of hoarding mentality that we saw with toilet paper and cleaning supplies in the early days of the pandemic. Are you getting that same vibe? Well, we're seeing it in China, right? You know, with the the shutdowns in in Shanghai and and perhaps Hong Kong, we're seeing that. There's no question that that is happening. So let's go to the first part of of your point, which is chips. So the semiconductor chips really was the first uh, was the first sign that we were going to have an issue. And because semiconductors, obviously the new cars, there's so many of them, couldn't get semiconductors. And of course, there were shutdowns from the pandemic. That means that there couldn't be enough new cars. That spiked the price of used cars. And, you know, there's a whole argument right now about, you know, if you have a used car, you might want to sell it because you could get top dollar for it. Well, that's because of chips. Well, chips now are in back order for years, right? So you might say, well, if I'm an investor, well, maybe semiconductors might be a place that I want to look at. But if you look at things like, and again, we've talked about this, inflation hurts the lower income folks more than the investor folks. And that is what's happening. So here you have single mom, couple of kids, needs formula, and it's through the roof. And then she's got to go to the grocery store and get milk. And then she's got to fill up her gas station. Inflation is an issue, and it's an issue for the sitting party right now. Yeah, it is going to be a huge issue. I think it's going to be the issue uh, in the midterms coming up. By the way, you know, there is so much volatility. There is so much uncertainty in the market, in your personal finances right now. 
this is why we can't urge you strongly enough to head to AnnexWealth.com. Check out that free wealth metric and make sure that your investments are in good hands because it is so easy to panic and to, to pull the ripcord, as it were. But the reality is, is that unless you need your money right now, this very moment, you want to take a step back. And you want to make sure that you're making the best decision. That's what the folks at Annex can do. So be sure you're working with a fee-only fiduciary who's working with and for you. Free wealth metric, AnnexWealth.com. And when we see these – oh, go ahead, Dave. Yeah, no, I was going to ask you. So, you know, what's what's great about this podcast is, you know, I can give some perspective on the economic side. And you can give – some perspective on the political side. And that's why I was going where I was going, which is inflation is going to be a problem for the sitting party. And as we know, and as you know better than most, is that if you have a midterm, the the president's party, who is in charge at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, loses on average 27 seats. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, now you've got, now you've got, of course, a whole issue with abortion coming in. Do you think that changes uh, what's going to be, how folks are no, going to turn out? I, I don't. And in fact, I've actually got some polling uh, to back this up. In fact, what we're seeing is the generic ballot, which is what a lot of political analysts look at at, at this point. But a generic ballot sort of looks at the way I think we have a tendency to vote in this country, at least over the past 10 to 15 years. And that's sort of a straight ticket down the line wave. The generic ballot has actually improved from the pre-Supreme Court leak state where it was to the post-Supreme Court leak where it is now. It's improved for Republicans. Now, a lot of people are surprised by that. They're saying, well, Democrats, aren't Democrats going to be motivated by this? Well, yes, maybe. But we actually saw in November of 2021 in Virginia, the Democrat Terry McAuliffe spent millions of dollars on TV ads trying to cast his Republican opponent, Glenn Youngkin, as an anti-abortion extremist. Even so, going so far as to say things like, well, he would support the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Exit polling actually showed that of the 8% of voters in Virginia, which is a bluer and bluer state than it was when it was considered a swing state back in the George W. Bush era, 8% of voters said abortion was their top issue. Those voters broke 58% to 41% for Youngkin, the Republican. So the mm-hmm. thinking there is for the people who fear, feel most passionate about abortion, it's actually the pro-life crowd. And they're actually more energized by the likely repeal of Roe v. Wade even than liberal Democrats. Mm -hmm. And what I've always felt, Dave, is that people will always vote. They may be temporarily jazzed up by an issue like, you know, the George Floyd protests or, you know, racial justice and all of that or, or Roe v. Wade and all of this. But ultimately, people always vote based on their personal financial situations. In fact, yep. I've actually people taken... People vote their people, vote their wallet. They yep. do. And I, I actually sort of modified the old Tip O'Neill saying, all politics is local. Well, all politics is personal. All mm-hmm. politics is based on how I feel I and my family and the people around me are doing. And right now, it is just inescapable. People feel like they're in deep, deep financial trouble. 
Right. And, and that's the reason why these economic issues are at, at the, the concerns. That's why inflation, the economy, and then crime, of course, and, and the border. Th- those are the issues yeah. uh, by polling. That's not you and I saying that. That's the public information. Oh, so, and incidentally, incidentally, I, I want to add, you talk about the, the average party losses are about 26. The generic ballot polling right now is roughly in line. It's Republicans plus seven. So if you're asked, would you vote for the Republican or the Democrat in your local congressional race? 49% people say Republican. 42% say Democrat. That is in line with the six-point Republican advantage that produced a 63-seat pickup in 2010. That was the huge red wave election. It saw long-term incumbent here in Wisconsin, uh, where we're recording this podcast, Russ Feingold go down to defeat against a conservative businessman, Ron Johnson. You saw all manner of surprise, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, that freshman class of 2010. It was the Tea Party wave, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to be difficult for Republicans to replicate that because they're starting with... So Remember, it only takes five or six seats for Republicans to win the majority. They're going to win the majority in the House, and they're almost certainly, because they only need a net pickup of one, going to pick up the majority in the Senate. So they might not get to 63 seats because they're starting with so many more, but it is going to be every major political prognosticator is saying it is going to be just an absolute wipeout. Yeah, and and the reason why that's important is because as we get to November— and the reason why I'm bringing it back to investing is it checks off one more issue that folks can worry about. And so we'll see where inflation is six months from now. We'll see where the Russia-Ukraine uh, dispute, and we'll see if they call it a war in the next six months. We'll see who is in charge politically. And all of that means that if, if you can remove those from the wall of worry, the market may try to find a bottom and start to recover goes back to our point that we started with, this too shall pass. This is the time to go through your portfolio and say, who can survive six months, one year, two years from now, and start to put those in your portfolio if you are doing this by yourself. If you're like most people, you've hired a financial advisor, find yourself a fee-only fiduciary, get a second set of eyes on it, and it'll help you sleep better. Yeah. And the place to do that, as always, Annex Wealth. He's Dave Spano, President and CEO of Annex. I'm Dan O'Donnell, and this has been the latest edition of The Difference. Annex Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Annex Wealth Management, its producers, hosts, or guests. The host of the podcast is compensated for his endorsement of Annex Wealth Management. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risks. Neither Annex Wealth Management nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.